Hey guys, welcome back to Tell Me About It. Thanks for joining me for another episode. I feel like it's the summer, we're starting to feel it's getting warmer outside, but I was driving today and I was driving Taco to the vet and driving him home and it's a little far from my house and I realized that because it's summer break, there's road work everywhere. Like if you don't live in LA, you don't know how devastating this is. But truly, every turn I wanted to make, I couldn't because there was road work. And I promise I'm not telling this story just to talk about road work. So I'm tr- this literally happened like 20 minutes ago. So that you're getting a fresh take of this story. I haven't told anyone but you guys yet. So I was driving and like I'd had so many beverages before, but I had to like wait in my car for Taco to come out of the vet. And I was so worried that the doctor would come out when I wasn't there. So I didn't go to the bathroom, which is like my own anxious issue. So I didn't go to the bathroom and I like needed to go so badly and I had did not anticipate that the ride home would take me an hour and 15 minutes. I thought it would be like half an hour. So I'm driving, I'm driving, I'm driving and something happens to me that has not happened to me in I mean maybe like 5 fucking years. You guys, I peed I peed my pants. I like fully peed my pants. Like I was able to like grab hold like after a little while, but the damage was totally done. Like I did the ultimate Kegel exercise for like the last four minutes of the drive, but my pants were already wet and I'm wearing this godforsaken fucking onesie, this like workout onesie. And then I decided to put sweatpants on top of the onesie and then a sweatshirt on top of the top of the onesie. And so I'm wearing this whole outfit. I'm sweating fucking bullets and I peed myself. So I'm literally like my pants are wet. And my neighbor tries to talk to me the second I get home. And I'm like, my poor neighbor, I have to like apologize later. I run in the house and I can't get my fucking clothes off. Literally peeing in your pants. It feels so good for that one second. And then it feels horrible. I forgot how bad it feels. Like it's truly the worst thing ever. So, you know, that's what I'm doing this week. I just, I forgot about peeing in your pants, but apparently that's a possibility within my realm. And I'm here to just admit it to you guys first. So sorry about it, but this is going to be a pee in your pants summer for me. It feels like with all this fucking road work, pee before you leave the house. That's my PSA. I, I can't believe I peed my pants. Like I can't get over it. I've, I haven't peed my pants in so long. Like I'm not going to say since I was a child, because it's been, please. I was like, well into my 20s the last time that I peed my pants, but it's been a minute. And ooh, like I'm still, I haven't showered yet, I have to admit, I'm still like sticky and feeling disgusting. So I have to get my situation situated, but I thought I'd talk to you guys first and tell you a little bit about this episode. So this week we had Morgan Ashley Absher on the show from the extremely popular podcast, Two Hot Takes. Two Hot Takes is a podcast where she and her guests basically react to the most wild stories Reddit has to offer, whether it's about relationships, a mother-in-law horror story, dating, conflicts, or an am I the asshole story, nothing is off limits. So you may be asking yourself, what the hell is an am I the asshole story? An am I the asshole story is like these people submit stories where essentially they want to ask or they want clarification on whether or not they're an asshole for doing whatever their story is. So there are ones that come on that are like, if my son has a terminal illness, can I tell him that his father wants to leave us? It's just like the most insane stories. So I I gathered a couple from my own life where I felt like a major asshole. And I talked to Morgan about each of them and got her opinion. And she judged me, but it was 
it was very fun. So we started off with that. So in addition to hosting two hot takes, Morgan is also a sex therapist and an occupational therapist. If you don't know what occupational therapists do, occupational therapists treat injured, ill, or disabled patients through the therapeutic use of everyday activities. They help these patients develop, recover, improve, as well as maintain the skills needed for daily living and working. So Morgan taught me all about that and so, so, so much more. I want to give a quick trigger warning. We talked briefly about self-harm in this episode, so I just wanted you to know that well before we start. We also talked about breaking generational chains and the hardest thing in the world, forgiving your parents. We talked about autism, depression, and ADHD. And we also, of course, talked about Morgan's modern family. And I just had to see if it competes with my messy web of a family. And spoiler alert, it does. This episode is so much fun. Morgan is so brilliant and so easy to talk to. And I think you guys will really, really love our hot takes. So I hope you guys like hanging with us and hearing if I'm the asshole or not. Spoiler, I am. Okay, so let's get to it. Here is Morgan Absher or Morgan Ashley Absher. Hi, Morgan. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I, you're in LA too, right? I am. Yes. I'm like mid Wilshire, so I'm kind of by LACMA. Yeah, you're by me. I'm in, I'm in West Hollywood. Amazing. And you're 28. Yes. I am also 28. I love that. Are you 93? 94. 94. So you just turned 28. March. In yes. March. Okay. So then, yeah, I'm turning 29 at the end of this year. Can okay. I tell you the craziest thought that I had? I mean, we're really just going to jump right into it. But <laughs> I know that I know that you talk about sex and relationships and all that good stuff. I had this thought the other day when I was having sex with my fiance and I was like, you know what I'm going to do with 29? You know what 29 is going to be? It's going to be the and, and, and probably 28 and a half to 29. It's going to be the year we stop doing the position where my legs are over his shoulders. Yeah, I'm getting to that point. That fucking hurts. <laughs> I'm like, no more of that bullshit. You know what I mean? I just, it dawned on me mid legs in the air the other day. And I was like, this is, I'm too old for this. I feel that. I'm starting to get not as flexible anymore. And I found another position recently. It's called the Amazon. What the hell is that? If you want to get him back for putting you in that position so much, <laughs> look up what the Amazon is. Oh, my God. Is it torture for him? It's a little bit of a payback. It's like happy baby. Does it baby. test his flexibility? It does. It does. It's like happy baby. The guy's in happy baby. And then you can have your knees on the bed and like you're the one like. Thrusting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because, you know, like, even like from behind. This is getting really into it. But from behind, <laughs> I swear to God, you can feel it in your throat. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like just a. Honestly, that's probably like my 30-year-old self is going to take that one off the table. I I don't know what it is, but like depending on what time of the month I'm in, like you're I'm, I'm like learning about all the phases too and I'm like We're at that age. We're at that age. 28 is the year that you discover the hormonal shifts in your body. The luteal phase oh, and yes. all this stuff. I'm like, "What? Where has this been? Where has this education been my whole life?" And so, I'm like depending on what week I'm in, getting bopped in the cervix just is not for me. <laughs> I just can't do it. <laughs> Getting bopped in the cervix is absolutely what it is. It's it is. No, it's just too much. It's too much too penetration intense. for my liking. So I want to ask you this question because you have two first names, right? Yes. Morgan Ashley? Yes. Okay. So like, was it hyphenated your whole life? Ashley is not your middle name. No, my middle name is Marie. It's not hyphenated. I don't know why my mom didn't do the dash like Mary Kate. 
Olson, she just did a space. So it's just Morgan Ashley. And so I think a lot of people do get confused and think it's my middle, especially because it was so trendy to put like your middle name on your Facebook handle. Totally. Did they think you were destined for stardom? No, she tells me that Morgan sounded too close to the morgue. Like, and so she's like, I had, I had to add something so it wouldn't be so okay. whatever. But I'm she like, left you with more. Okay, great. Yeah. I'm like, thank you. Okay. So speak on behalf of the two name community. Do you like it? I don't Because I come from the it. one syllable name community, which is very different. So tell me what that's like. I wish I used it more. I honestly feel I don't ever introduce myself as Morgan Ashley. I need to start because maybe it's more memorable. Yeah. But I just I go with Morgan. It's gotten me out of a lot of speeding tickets or just like stupid tickets. It kind of distracts people. They're like, wait, why do you have so many names? Because I actually have two last names as well. Oh my God. So my D, when I show people, they're like, you're running out of room here, girl. Like, how do they fit all this on here? So it it is it is very distracting. As far as kid names, I want like boy names for girls. Okay, I love, I love, love what Blake Lively did. I'm like, I don't want you to be able to tell the gender or anything. Yeah, my fiance is Dylan and I love it. It's cute. Yes, yes, unisex. I love it. Okay, so you're in a relationship now, which we'll get into. Yes. But have you decided which name has got to go? If you are going to change your name, would you drop Ashley or <laughs> probably in the spirit of adding? I'm probably in the spirit of adding because I have another last name that's not on my legal paperwork yet. My like adoptive dad. Right. So I'm at three. And so then if I added his, it would be four. I'm like, that's just it's too <laughs> excessive. Yes. I'll probably keep my last name and then hyphenate his just because I have a doctorate and I'm like, I've worked my ass off for this. Yes, so 100%. I'm like, mm. no, you, you you have to. I feel like it's a good excuse in that way. I'm like, first of all, the whole thing about changing your last name, if it's for you, wonderful. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, all the time I want to say to my fiance, I'm like, you fucking change your name. He doesn't care. But I'm like, you change your name. Like, what the hell? We're changing our names. Like, yeah, I have to change my whole identity for this nonsense. It's crazy. Exactly. I've been Jade Ivy my whole life. That's very weird. Well, it's such a beautiful name, too. Thank you so much. I feel like I, I mean, it's hard to pronounce. But I love your podcast so much. So I thought it's called Two Hot Takes, which it's so fucking brilliant. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, you just, you hear the idea and you're like, damn, this is incredible. Yeah. But basically, you go on Reddit and read people's horrible stories about themselves, right? Like, when they're being an asshole, theoretically. Mm -hmm. Trust me, it's more than an asshole. It's like... These people are morally corrupt a lot of the time. They're crazy. Some of them are just completely unhinged. Like, there's no other word to describe it but unhinged. Right. Like, you get some insane ones. But I'm going to give you some, like, more superficial, benign ones. Okay. They're actually from my own real life. So you can judge me for what you will. Oh, I'm scared, though, because I hate – it's so different when, like, even when I have listener write-ins, I'm like, okay, it's a listener. I have to be a little nicer. I'm far past all of these. You can (laughs) No, you can be so brutal with me. Okay, the first one is this. Okay, this happened literally last week. This is very small. We're starting out low. Okay. So my friend came over and she had just worked out. So she was like all sweaty and gross. And she goes into my bathroom and I just got a brand new deodorant from Sephora. And this this deodorant is not like secret or dove. It's like, you know, it costs a pretty penny. Not that that should matter. But she was like, okay, I'm just going to use your deodorant. I was like, I think we've grown out of that phase. Yeah. 
You know, like, because we went to college together. So I think she was used to, like, using my mascara and all that shit and thinks it's still kosher. And I'm like, no, oh, no. Vomit. Gross. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> so am I the asshole if I told her no? So the only person I've shared deodorant with recently is my boyfriend, which is probably worse than a friend. No, I do that with my boyfriend, too in a really dire situation exactly it was so dire and I was like about to go meet up with someone and I could already start to smell myself and I'm like I need it I'm sorry but I need it but he's also kind of a clean freak so he puts it on like right after he showers yeah so I know his is like safe right it's just like oh like I don't want to be sharing like who knows what the pores of my armpit are going to be experiencing from you know like yeah but I felt bad I feel like people take it personally. People are like, do you think I'm dirty? Or They do. I think like people act the same way with razors too. I've had a friend come over and be like, can I just use your razor real quick? And I'm like, Ick. no, sorry. Let me see if I have a fresh blade and then you can just take that one, whatever. Yes. But I didn't. And she was like, it's just my legs. It's not like I'm shaving my vagina. And I go, mm, no. <laughs> You're still like doing micro cuts. It doesn't matter. That skin is going into the blades of your razor. Yeah, whether no. you want to admit it or not. No, I, and even like after a workout, I'm like, you don't know what bacteria she's got on your skin right. that could like react with yours. I think of like MRSA, Rock like you can God. pick that stuff up so easily <laughs> and like cellulitis. I'm like, no. Nope. Uh, okay. I'm so glad you agree with me. Cause yeah, well, you're good. Oh my God. Every alarm bell went off in my, I was like, <gasps> how do I handle this situation? And I let her borrow it. And I like oh. had to, I know. Yeah. Well, then you just, did you scrape it? Do you scrape of the course, top of it? Yeah, scraped there you go. with a knife. But I almost said, like, you can have it. And then I was like, that's, it was like the first use. I was like, no, I just, no. I can't go that far. Yeah. Okay, so you agree. Okay, we agree on yep. the first one. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Okay, so the second one is really one of my least proud moments. It was dark. It's very superficial. Like, uh, honestly, like, I hate to even tell you this story at the beginning of this interview because <laughs> you're going to get a horrible picture of the kind of individual I am. But. You know, we all love each other here. It's fine. Yeah. So basically, I bought this bucket hat, right, that I had been just like, I look horrible in hats, which I did not discover until later. But (laughs) I bought this bucket hat and I was coveting it. I just wanted it for so long. And then I saved up and I bought it, whatever. And it was like the beginning of summer. And my best friend came into town and we went for like a pool day. Right. And I'd never worn this hat before, but I wore it for the first time to our pool day. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited, blah, blah. So then she starts taking her Instagram pictures for the day, as one does. <laughs> you know, like starts asking us to take pictures of her by the pool because she's in LA and yada, yada, yada. And then she's like, can I borrow your hat for some of the pictures? <laughs> Is this the pro- is it a Prada bucket hat? It's not. It's a J- okay. Jacques Ma, whatever the fuck, the Jacques. J-A-Q, you know, like Jacques Ma or Jacques yeah, Thomas? another whatever. bougie brand. Yeah, bullshit, regardless. So I was like, she asked me if she could wear the hat in some of the pictures. And I was like, yeah, sure. And then I'm watching her take these pictures. And of course, lo and behold, the ones that she likes are all the ones with my hat in them. Huh. So I'm sitting there being like, Jade, if you're going to let this bother <laughs> you, like we have a real issue on our hands. But you know when you just can't stop the train and you're like, oh, I'm annoyed and I can't get unannoyed and I don't know what to do? Yeah. The details of the relationship also come into a factor, but we won't get into that. So I actually said to her, I'm like literally going to vomit. This is so embarrassing for me. <laughs> I was like, I actually had the audacity to say to her, I haven't had the chance to Instagram my hat yet. <laughs> Can I do it before you? <laughs> Yeah. Before you. Because I was like, then she gets credit for the hat. And then if people see me in it a week later, they're going to think I copied her hat. 
Mm-hmm. You know? Or like, give me a little tag at the bottom. Tell me, tell them it's my hat. I'm like, Jade, why do you fucking care? So tell me what you think. Am I the asshole? I'm probably the worst person to ask this. I don't know what it is about myself, but I am oddly possessive with my clothes. Mm. So if like friends come over and they're like, can I wear this? Can I borrow this? If I haven't worn it yet and there's like a tag on it or even if the tag's off and I've tried it on and I haven't had the courage to wear it out yet, it's a no. Right. I'm super weird about that because it's like, it's brand new. And I don't think that's super weird. Like, I think what we're taught, I know. I like, know. we're not supposed to be like that. I know. Sharing is caring, but. Sharing is caring. Do you have a sister? I do, but we didn't grow up in the same house. So I never, I never had to deal with that. It's like abusive in my house. Like with my mom and my sister, like we're also all the same shoe size or like when oh, we live in the same house. Yeah. So I t- I'll take shit out of my mom's closet that has tags. It's like so brutal and so horrible. <laughs> so I think you've become desensitized to that. I clearly was not because this friend tried to do that to me and I was not having it. I know. I I think even putting myself, if I was the one wearing the hat, I think my friend Alejandra would react the same way as you. I think my friend Lauren would kind of be like, She doesn't really care about clothes that much or anything like that material stuff. So I don't think she would care, but I would care as well. So I think it's just kind of one of those things where it's it's a first world common courtesy. Like it's it's one of those luxury problems where it's it's so beyond. But at the same time, we get it. Right. No, that's why I was having such an issue because I was like, Jade, this is really bottom of the barrel gross behavior. (laughs) Like this is really not cool. And then I was thinking, like, would I have handled myself differently? Because, like, she would have posted it. And then, like, I was like, Jade, you should have just dealt with the repercussions on your own. Because it was too humiliating (laughs) for me to even admit that I cared. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, but it also would have looked just as bad if you would have waited until she posted and then commented on the post. And then, like, oh, my God, my hat looks so good on you. No matter what, it would have been bad. Yeah, you can't do that. No, you have to just let it Better to handle it in private. (laughs) I mean, it's almost the beginning of summer again. I've hated myself for that for a year. Uh, you're like me if something like that happens I will think about it and just fixate on it forever 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 Forever. so no my producer who's listening to this episode right now is probably like you've told me this story four (laughs) times because I've like almost gone to like confessional in church I'm like someone help me because I'm literally (laughs) riddled with guilt about Uh, this because it's not on brand has she brought it up since no she's not that type of friend that would but she definitely remembers it and it's like the statute of limitations has run out. I can't like revisit it now and be like, sorry, that you want to borrow the hat? Or like, uh, honestly, if you want to feel like a really- And I hate the hat now. Yeah. And that's like the tough part. It, like it's scarred you. But if you want to feel like a really good friend and she doesn't care about fakes, just get her her own and be like, I'm so right. sorry. I've thought about this for the past year. Yes. Love you. Here's yeah. your own. That is really nice. That's a good way to remedy it. Okay. Now, this next one really did happen to me a few years ago, and I also feel bad about it. This happened like five years ago. Okay. My boyfriend and I were first dating. He, we've been dating for eight years now, so this was really at the beginning. He would like just to be cute sometimes on the phone with his mom, be like, hey, mommy. And for some fucking reason, whether it's my childhood trauma or whatever the fuck came up, like it just made me sick. So I, like, let it go for, like, seven months. I was like, you know, that's their relationship. And he doesn't call her mommy when he's calling her attention or when he's actually talking to her. Yeah. But when he was on the phone, he would just be like, okay, bye, mommy. And I was just like, ew, I just, it just gave me the (laughs) ick. Like, it just was so bad. So I wonder, and I feel like people, especially, like, girls that call their dad daddy 
beyond 12 years old. And I told him, I was like, it really weirds me out. But this is not my relationship. Like, this is his relationship with his mother. I should have no say so over what he refers to her as. I, I, well, the internet ruined daddy for me. And so even my own dad is like, why don't you call me daddy anymore? And I go, we just, we can't. We can't. Yeah, we can't. We can't. It's over. It's, it's done. So that weirds me out as well. I'm also like really obsessed with the concept of enmeshment. And so I hear that and I'm like instantly like, how are the boundaries with his mom? <laughs> like, is there some enmeshment there? Yes. My family is enmeshed. We all have a little bit of it. The more I dive in, I'm like, I need to establish some better boundaries with my own mother. For sure. But lover. But I I do look at that and I'm like, okay, this is a little weird. Yeah. And then I think about it like if you guys choose to have kids, is he going to say, where's mama? Or is he going to be like, where's mommy? Yeah. Because my brother and his wife use mommy. Right. You can call me mommy. Like yeah. if I'm your partner. But like don't call your mommy mommy. Ew. I think if you can drive a car yeah, or you're old enough to vote, it might be you might be too old to call your mom mommy. Yeah, like he would do it like in a, like a joking kind of way. But I was just like, you know, I'm just going to intervene right here. I'm just going to say no more of this. And I felt <laughs> bad because I was literally like, I'm so controlling. Know thyself. But I'm like, Jade, like you couldn't just like let him grow out of that on his own. I was like, no, no, no. We got to nip that in the bud. Like I remember the day where I stopped <laughs> calling my dad daddy. And he didn't notice, but like making that decision. It's weird. It is. It, it, you get to a point where I'm like, okay, this is too much. And who knows if he even would have grown out of it. Right. God forbid. And then you're like really trapped because then you're like, are you 10 years in? Are you 15 years deep? And now one day you bring it up and then you're fucked. Yeah. You're just in it. You just got to bring it up kindly. Yes. You just got to have tact. Okay. Okay, so those are th- those are the three. Those were good ones. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we agreed. You're safe. Okay, thank God. That bucket hat <laughs> story stays with us. It dies here. So <laughs> tell me about your enmeshed family. So you grew up in Minnesota. I did. So tell me, like, who's in your family? How many siblings do you have? My family tree, uh, even on my podcast, people are like, Morgan, can you please draw a family tree? We don't get it. Yeah, I have a modern family as well. So Yeah. So I grew up with my mom. Mm-hmm. I have two brothers that I also grew up living with. One is eight years older. One is three years younger. We all have different dads. Okay. So my biological dad and my mom were kind of a thing. We're like, not really so much. I was kind of an oops baby. And then my mom had this best friend, Jerry who came in and he was my mom's roommate. They kind of dated here and there. Didn't really work out, but I started calling him dad. Mm. And so my mom was like, okay, well, we're living together. Like she's calling you dad. But it wasn't romantic between them. It was and then it wasn't. So I think during the time where this was like really coming to fruition and I was calling him dad, I don't think they were, I think they were off during that time period. And so she was like, well, she's calling you dad. Like, should we correct her? Like, are you going to step up? He goes, it's fine. So he actually Aww. adopted me. Wow. And then when what how old were you when he had adopted you? Like he was my godfather in my like uh, little baptism pictures. So he's been in it from the start. Oh my god, sweet. But then he legally adopted you, right? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Were you so, like old enough to remember that? Yeah, yeah. So that that's a recent thing. We actually haven't even finalized yet. It's all signed. I wanted my aunt who's a judge to like oversee it. So I've been trying to convince her, but like no, like, have you gotten into that TikTok world of, like, adoption days, like, where it's, like, 
Oh yeah. my God, if you want to cry for five hours, like it's those so videos cute. are so sweet. It's so magical. So then my little brother came along, also a different dad. My dad, Jerry, adopted him and took on my older brother as well. So we're just like kind of this goofy bunch. And then my bio dad got married and had my little sister who's eight years younger. So we're all over the place. So you grew up with three boys and then you got a little sister eventually. Yeah, two two brothers. And or then two brothers, okay. But we all, like, we all also have other siblings. Like, my little sister has a brother. Both my brothers have other siblings. Right. So you're going to have a great wedding planning process when that day doth come. No, it's chaos. Trust me. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, oh, it'd be so cute to make, like, a little family tree for everyone to look at, you know, to understand, like, where we each came from. So I started with my fiancés. His parents are married. I'm like... That was so fun and cute and easy. Mine had like webs. It was just insane. And I was yep. like, this is just not happening. You know, there's just some things in a modern family that you just can't do. You got to excuse can't. yourself from, uh, you know? Yeah, that's the boat I'm in. Yeah, it's just, it's hard. So I know you're from Minnesota. Did you kind of grow up between Minnesota and LA? I was kind of always the commuter kid. My adoptive dad, Jerry, just I call my dad would come into my room when I was in kindergarten and like wake me up and he'd be like, do you want to go to Disneyland tomorrow? And so we'd just like fly out here. Yeah. Yeah. And like stay with my grandma. And so I was always going back and forth. And then so in high school, when he moved out, I was going back and forth even more. Okay. Um, And then after college graduation, I was dating a guy basically my whole college career and he lived in Canada. So I was doing long distance and there was this plan. Like when I graduated, he was going to move to Minnesota well, he broke up with me a week before my college graduation. Let's get into it. Okay. Yeah. I need, yeah. We need to get into that. I need to unpack that. I need to unpack that. So it was a mess. But my friend, my best friend, Lauren and I, we were already kind of considering getting a place together in Minneapolis. And after that happened, she was like, why don't we just move to LA? And I was like, okay. So she started sending me like all these apartment things. I'm like, no, no. If we're going to move to LA, we're going to live for free at my dad's house. So after the summer, we packed up my car and just drove out here. Okay. So you were with this guy. You thought it was forever, right? Yeah. The amount of money I spent on plane tickets going to Canada is heartbreaking. Oh, isn't that just pain? No, I, I have uh, the plane. I did plane tickets to Baltimore. Uh, worse. Yeah. Way worse. I ate so many double tree cookies. It made me sick. So, <laughs> but you, you know, for the sake of love, you do all those things. I know. So how did he break up with you? Oh, this was a fun one. So the week before we broke up, I actually drove to Winnipeg and it was his uncle's funeral. And so I drove up to Winnipeg to, you know, support him and his family for the weekend. I got introduced to all of his family, all of his friends. His mom even was kind of asking me, like, if you were going to get married, what, you know, what would that look like? What kind of ring? So in my head, I'm like, yeah, he put his mom up to it. Like, right. his mom's, He's his mom's propose asking me. Tomorrow. Yeah. I'm like, okay, okay. So I drop him off at the airport and said goodbye, drove back to Minnesota, and for the next week, did not hear a word from him. Not a word. And how long had you been dating before that? Uh, Over the course of like three years. So to be ghosted by someone you're dating for three years is very abnormal. I was like, well, kind of. So (laughs) here's where I'm also an idiot. He moved from like Chicago, Illinois up to Canada because he was from 
Canada. He's Canadian. Couldn't get like a work sponsored visa. So he had to move back. Mm -hmm. And so he would disappear on the weekends and use like, oh, I had bad service. Um, I didn't have Wi-Fi. And so in my head, I'm like, okay, well, it makes sense. You're a baby also. You're so young. You're I like, was what do such I, yeah. a baby. No idea what was going on. So he would disappear like somewhat frequently, but not like never that long. Mm -hmm. And so also his uncle just died who was, he was super close with. And I'm like, he's just going through it. No big deal. So I'm like, I finally got to the point. I, I still have the text messages, actually. Thank like, God. If I scroll all the Save way down. Save those for a book. Save them for a book. I got the screenshots for everything. So I like sent him. I'm like, if this is your way of breaking up with me, like, just do it. Like, just do it. And so he texts me back. He's like, just the stereotypical, you're an amazing girl. I'll never be able to give you what you deserve. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> and that was that. Oh, my God. So that was like your first heartbreak. Yeah, the first like really big one. But everything comes full circle. And I, I will say like the guys that screw you over and they miss out on you, they always come back. So they always come back. They're boomerangs. So he actually got hit by a car huh. and like was in the hospital. And I guess like in the hospital, he's laying there in this oh, hospital By the bed. way, Morgan's saying this with a smirk on her face. So I'm like, <laughs> I know it's so bad. I'm like, okay, it's got hit so... by, I hope he survived. He did. Okay. He did. He, I think he, he's good. He's okay, thank God. He's good. He's living the dream, golfing all over still. Golfing. So he's, he's good. Great. And we're on fine terms now. Like I don't have any animosity towards any of my exes because if it weren't for them, I wouldn't be where I'm at. It's very healthy. But when he was laying in this hospital bed, he had an epiphany and he was like, I treated you like dirt. Aha. And so he messaged me and he was like, I'm so sorry for everything I did. You're amazing. Like truly blah, blah, blah. But the worst part of this is he broke up with me in that text message. A week later, he was posted on Instagram with a new girl. <gasps> did you know her? No, but she was up in Canada. So on the weekends when he would disappear, he was, he was courting her. There's no, there's no way the oh. timeline would have worked Ugh. otherwise. Okay. I don't like any of that. Yeah, so the car, I'm like, yeah, it sucks he got hit by a car. Like, terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible. But he survived. But he survived, and he's so, an asshole. So it's, <laughs> yes. it feels not, I don't feel that bad for not hating the car hitting him. But it's true. They always come back when you're, like, over it. Or when you've just, like, told yourself, or, like, when you've seen enough proof of like how shitty they are. They're like, oh, why would I go back with you? And they're like, oh, actually, all of a sudden I realized you're like, no. They never come back when you're still under it. No, it's always when you start just, they have the feelers. I don't know how they have it, the spidey sense, the intuition, but they know. Mm -hmm. The minute you're like, finally, like it's clicked, I'm over them. It's like, hey, I miss you. Like, let me fly you out to Mexico for my holiday vacation. I'm like, who are you dating? Who are these incredible people flying you out to Mexico? No, that's a shitty Canada guy. Oh, they okay. just do, they spend <laughs> Christmas every year in Mexico. And okay. he goes to me a week after that too, so. Jesus Christ. I know, he's he's a bit psycho. Oh my God. Okay, so then you and your best friend went on a road trip. Would you recommend a road trip as a good post-breakup? I would. I mean, I would imagine you'd be the most annoying person to go on a road trip with post-breakup. You're like, all you can talk about is your ex or cry or like, <laughs> How was that fun for your friend? Honestly, I, and maybe this is like my toxic trait, but the minute like someone really doesn't want me or burns me really bad, I'm like done. So I got the breakup text message and 
the same weekend I was making out with a guy I've had I had a crush oh, on girl. during college. So yes. I, I just like wasn't I was like I've wasted enough time. I'm gonna live my life. Um, highly recommend the road trip. Just do it with a car that's reliable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you not? I did not. Okay. No, <laughs> I had a very old Audi um, A4, and as we were going up the side of a mountain in Utah, the engine blew up <gasps> at 2 a.m. No cell service. Oh, wait. So what did you do? So I blew a head gasket and it wouldn't go faster than 20 miles per hour. So I limped it. I literally drove like 20 miles per hour to the hotel. As I get into the hotel parking lot, put it in park, it just goes poop, 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 done. So what, how did you continue? We got tow trucks from Utah to L.A. It took three different tow trucks because we were using our AAA 200-mile tows. Oh, my God. So you really earned it to be here. Yeah. Okay. So when you first moved, you came with your best friend. You've mentioned in the past that, like, you were bullied in high school, right? Yeah. I feel like everyone was, right? Mine is a nurse. (laughs) Tell me. Tell me. Oh, she was just terrible. Like, I remember I was in like a nurse. Yeah. Haven't you seen that meme where it's like, tell me what your high school bully is doing for a job these days? Oh, haha, she's a nurse. Oh, she's a nurse now. I thought she was like your school nurse that was bullying you. I was like, call the police. No, (laughs) God, no, she's just a nurse now. Playing off that meme perfectly. But it was bad. It was bad. Bullying sucks. Yeah. No, it's the So she was one girl. It is like one girl. And then it's like whoever follows them. Yeah. And it was the weirdest thing. Like the reason that it happened or the only reason I can account for. And even they were my high school like best friends. Some of them I had been friends since kindergarten. Like my school was very small. I graduated with 180 people. Oh, mine was 110. Yeah. So tiny. And so I had been friends with these girls since like kindergarten and third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. And I went to a Justin Bieber concert that I actually invited them all to like my uncle was a ticket scalper and I got on stage with Justin Bieber. <laughs> this is incredible. And was like the one less lonely girl. And so when no, I came back. Wait, hold on. Hold on. T.O. I have all I have. I didn't know I was sitting in the presence of one less lonely <laughs> no. girl. Holy shit. So you were pulled out from the audience and he like serenades you. To one less lonely girl. Like was touching my face. It was. No, it gets very sexual. It's really beautiful. It was crazy. It was like, it was so awkward. And they like tell you backstage too. They're like, they're like, even if you're not super excited, like pretend like you're so excited. Oh God, no pressure. Okay. That's incredible that you had that experience. Do you have all the pictures and stuff? I do. I'll send okay, you the, send those to I got me. the yeah. YouTube link. Yeah, 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 yeah. I need all that shit. Okay. So I came back and they were like mad at me, like didn't talk to me. And so then this one girl kind of became like the biggest bully but they all still were a part of it and like we had classes together and they went from like we would all sit in the same row to now they sat behind me and we're talking shit the whole time punching the cpr dolls being like this is what i'm gonna do to your face oh got violent it was like aggressive so i actually had to leave high school because of it i actually started taking college classes to no get way. out of the school well yeah. jokes on them because you got a hella degrees now yeah, and I graduated undergrad a year early, right. so that was, that was great. But that's crazy. So you said to your parents, like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I mean, I was I was in a really dark, dark place. So I, I dealt with a lot of mental health issues at that point. And so they were like, we're not going to have a child if we don't get her out of here. So they really went to the school and, like, 
the school, like she, they were kind of like, you're going to be held liable if something happens because you're letting this happen. Absolutely. And if you don't let her go to these college classes, then you're extra liable. So yeah, they were like, you're lucky that Bye. your parents were like, got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It takes some people too long to get that. Definitely. Okay. So then when you took college classes and you were initially going to come to LA to work in the medical world, right? Yeah. So I came out to LA to work in a clinic as like a medical assistant scribe kind of thing. Okay. Was that inspired by your own mental health issues growing up? Like that you chose that field? I think the OT. So what I went to grad school for, Mm -hmm. OT definitely Occupational therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Occupational therapy. Because that has such a strong mental health aspect to it. Mm-hmm. It was actually founded in mental health in like 1917, treating shell-shocked soldiers. Oh, so like what we know today is PTSD. I just knew I wanted to work in healthcare and help people. And then I found OT through a sorority sister. So that was worth the money there. Right. <laughs> but So I was reading your bio and it said you grew up loving animals. And in the next sentence, it was like talking about your mental health issues. And I was like, this bitch is meant for me because I am obsessed (laughs) with animals and I am mentally ill also. So what came up first? Was it like depression or what kind of mental illnesses came up at a young age? Yeah. So when I was going through all the bullying in high school, Mm -hmm. I like wanted to die. I actually would cut myself and things like that. So trigger warning for everyone. Sorry about that. So it just got really bad. And so I remember going to a pediatrician and absolute worst person to go to. And they go, no, you're not depressed. You probably just have unmedicated ADD, which I also do have ADD, but it just like, it was such a brush off. And it's like, I'm literally doing this to myself and you don't see a problem in this. Yeah. You're like, I'm self-harming. Like clearly there's a big problem here. Yeah. And it it was kind of the brush off like, oh, you just need more attention and blah, blah, blah. So it really started with depression. And then I think just all throughout, you know, undergrad and going through a graduate program and life, I think anxiety is just a big part of that now. I actually just got an email. I'm finally starting my autism evaluation. Oh, you're going to be evaluated? Yeah. So I'm like, is it just my ADD and ADHD and I'm not managing it well, or is there a little bit something more to this? So I think like all of that, like we're, I mean, we're so complex. Yes. So it's like you have ADD, ADHD, and if you're unmedicated, that can really manifest into depression and anxiety. Mm So it's just finding the right balance and getting on track. It's hard because like I started out being diagnosed with anxiety, then depression, then ADHD. And I kind of think like, okay, what if those had been reversed? Like, would that have affected my care at all? Like, if I had gotten the ADHD under control, could I have, like, spared myself from the needing to take medication for depression? But you just can't get into that, like, whole cycle. But I I admire what you're doing, which is, like, getting the full workup. I just want to (laughs) know. Oh, of course. And I feel like if you're open to it, you're going to find out something about your brain and the way it works that's going to help you so much. Definitely. Well, and it's like... Uh, you look at Demi, who was on The Bachelor, Bachelorette. Yes, she has autism. Yes. Yeah, and she went through this, too, where she was like, I just want to understand my brain. And so it's so hard because, like, a lot of, like, like autism has comorbidities, which typically include ADD or different types of learning, you know, disorders and things like that. And so it can also run in families. Like, my brother's dyslexic, and so it's just like— I have it in my family, too. Yeah, it's just so complex. And, I mean, the root cause of— any of these things, depression, anxiety, ADD, ADHD, autism, 
it's like neurotransmitters and like the way our brain, our brain chemistry is. So it's like, just clump it all together because it's, it's all up here. I know, but it's hard to like manage and it can feel really overwhelming. You're like, oh my God, I'm broken in so many ways. And you have to like reframe and figure out how they actually can be assets and building your life around them. You know, like not being neurotypical takes a lot of work, but it's like, once you get there, like once you figure out how to build your life or like your career at your relationships, everything, knowing that information, like it's empowering. Yeah, it really is. It's, I think even putting like, like me and you, like having podcasts and putting yourself out on the internet and things like that. I think it will just help even other people as well. Like Mm -hmm. the amount of comments I get from people where they're like, Morgan, like you cut someone off, like let them talk. And it's like, you need to understand where I'm coming from. My brain, like I will, I'm getting better and I'll stop myself and be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you finish. Like I'm getting better, but it's hard for us. It is like our brains don't work that way sometimes. We just get excited. So then we want to like say something. We also don't want to forget. Like I forget everything that if I don't say it immediately, it's out of my brain. Yeah. I have the memory of a goldfish these days. Me too. Especially after COVID. It got way worse. Did you get COVID? Yeah. Like early COVID too. Like 2020 COVID. The OG brand. OG strain. Yep. That brutal strain. Ooh, it was so bad. So did your parents, because I know you're saying it runs in your family, like did your parents, were they well-equipped to handle the self-harm and the deep depression? Or like, did you get outpatient help? How did you manage that at first? Yeah, so I got a little bit of help from a psychiatry place in Duluth, Miller Dewan. They have a great center. Mm -hmm. So that was good, but... They didn't really. I I think growing up, my mom dealt with a lot of stuff. Like she's opened up about a previous sexual assault and things like that. And mental health was not talked about at all. And so they didn't really know how to deal with it. I think I was kind of the first that was like, okay, I need more than what you were provided. And so it's kind of breaking that generational cycle and things like that. And it's tough. Like, I mean, my mom, like even postpartum depression wasn't really talked about. And so when, when my brother's wife had it and kind of opened up about it, my mom like was like, wait, what, like, what is this? And so it's hard. I I feel bad for that generation. I really do. Like, I feel bad for us because we're the byproduct and we're so mentally ill and whatever, but they like, even the things like all I've done therapy with my mom because my mom has mental illness and had a really hard childhood and I'll be talking to her in therapy and something that's so obvious to me about her childhood or like some way that she was like abused or whatever. And they just don't, they never gave themselves any credit. Like they never like stopped and said like, oh, I'm damaged by this like happened to me and I'm just like projecting it onto the world. Not that you have to take a victimized mentality, but like they just never connected the dots of like, I act this way because of this. and, And like, that's a luxury that we've been given, but it's interesting to navigate as their kids. Definitely. I mean, something we, me and my mom have kind of come to terms with recently. And this is like, I mean, all of our childhood trauma shapes us and like there's stuff that I've just held on to. And I think the way she was disciplined and the way like looking at now how I would discipline or my brother disciplines his children is so different, but that's all she knew. And so, I mean, there was one instance where I'm like, okay, that's not like, that's not discipline. That's like, you're crossing a, a line and, but getting spanked, getting spanked with a wooden spoon was normal. And so that's what she did. And so, you know, we, we kind of came to a head talking about, you know, past trauma. And she was like, I'm sorry. 
She was like, I, I did all I knew. And now I realize it was wrong. But to come to that point, it has literally taken 12 years since that happened. No, 100%. And like something that's so clear to you, but it's almost like you can't even blame them. Recently, mm -hmm. like in my early 20s and stuff, I was so pissed and I was like, oh, it's all their fault and all this bullshit. And then now I'm like, I am given so many more tools than yeah. they even, they didn't have a fighting shot. Their hands were tied. It's really crazy to now be like, how can I not have compassion for someone that truly was taught there's no other way or there's no other reason? You know, like they just are taught, like you just act the way you do and this is how it is. And there was mm -hmm. never like any education about, you know, other ways to do things. And so it's hard to like balance the resentment that you have, but also the compassion. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It even took me to get to that mindset a long time. Like it's not, she was a byproduct of her environment and her traumas. And so it's kind of, it just the vicious cycle. And so you have to get over that almost in your own head and offer some grace. It's tough. It's tough to get to that place. It is really tough. I like work. I'm like every Thursday I'm in there trying to get to that place more and more, you know, my <laughs> therapy session, just trying. But I want to ask you more about friends because I know that you're a professional about relationships in general, but going from getting bullied and then moving to LA, which, you know, you had your dad here, you had your best friend here. What was that transition like for you, making friends and reestablishing yourself in a new city? It's hard. I mean, I was in a graduate program with 27 people and, you know, you're really close as you go through that program, but I didn't really form lifelong relationships with those girls. They formed relationships with each other, but like, I feel like, I felt like I was kind of always on the outskirts and that's, I think a big part of like me doing the autism evaluation. Cause I'm like, why do I, like, why do I feel like such an outsider sometimes, even when I might not be? No, this is so fascinating to me because women with autism often appear to be higher functioning or are even harder to diagnose sometimes because they're often better at masking their symptoms to appear more neurotypical. It, it just manifests so differently. And it, it, it is really interesting because, I mean, even looking at Demi is like a great example right now. She was on The Bachelor. She was on reality TV and like people love her. And I think that's what like masking is like. It's magical. Like what? And you shouldn't have to mask necessarily, but it's crazy what people can cover or, or a sense act to be more normal and fit in. So making friends in a new city is really, really hard. I think, I, I think we get kind of lost in the, the quantity over quality sometimes. And there's like a lot of pressure, even with social media to like have all these friends and like a big group of friends. And I think we like, honestly, we, we put so much pressure on ourselves in every aspect of our lives, but I think friendships is like one of the biggest. And so just finding one or two quality friends, like amazing. And then just like network, like reach out to the mutual friends and like, cause if like your friend is friends with that person, you'll probably like them too. And then you'll expand. No, I'm so glad you said that because we do put so much pressure on ourselves to have a lot of friends or to appear to have a lot of friends. But now you're in the social media, I hate to use the word influencer, but like you're in that world now, like you're in the social media game, even with doing this, starting my podcast, the rude awakening of hate to sound like such a pessimist, but how full of shit a lot of these relationships are. You know what I mean? Or like, uh, 
Yeah. Some people are like, think that I'm so close with someone that I've interviewed before. And like a lot of people I am, but other people, they play the game. So like once I'm, you meet them once they're commenting on your pictures and they're like post reposting your shit. And it gives this, I it gives off this idea that like, you're a lot closer than you are. Which is obviously so nice, but it just was an interesting peek behind the curtain for me. So then when people started to do that to me, and I was like, no, I know how, like, I know we don't even have each other's phone numbers, you know? And like, people were so fooled by it. It did kind of like peel back the curtain a little bit where I was like, oh, I was not privy to this when I was like on the other side, not like interacting with people in this way. You know, like, I, I think a lot of the relationships are performative. Very transactional. Yes. And I don't know if you feel this way, but for me, despite having trouble making friends Mm -hmm. sometimes, like I'm very team new friends. Right. And so when I have people come on and it is so transactional for them, I get really sad. I'm like, I literally can't even talk about it. I, it destroys me in a way that I'm too proud to admit, honestly. It's terrible. And you take it so personally and it is, it's so silly. And it's almost made me feel like don't meet your heroes because some of the guests like I've been obsessed with since they started their career and literally like got them a present and a nice little card. And I'm like, let's grab drinks sometimes. It's heartbreaking because you're also like, you spent an hour with me. You get it. You know, you get the vibe. You get who I am to and an you're extent. you're acting like my bestie right, right here with me. On and the then show. You walk out and nothing? Nothing. They don't, like, you follow, don't you follow you back on Instagram? Back? I, what the fuck? I know. It Ugh. is devastating. It's, it hurts. It, it really hurts. hurts. I'm like, Jade, stop. Like, you cannot go down this road. Why do you care who follows you back? Rejection is protection. Like I try to just talk myself <laughs> out of it. And then have you ever yeah. had the experience where like they don't follow you back, they don't follow you back, they don't follow you back. Then weeks later or something, they follow you back, but you've already like written written them no- off. Yes, but also written novels in your head about who they are and what kind of person they are. And like, you know what I mean? I'm like, I do so much to self-protect after that. It's startling because then you they follow you back and you're like, oh, okay, I didn't need to do all that. Everything's fine in the world again. I don't care. You know, but before like you're devastated. I almost wish I had that experience versus you see them in a, in person at events and they pretend like they don't know you or they act like too good for you. See, I don't go anywhere. I don't, I'm like, I don't go to events. <laughs> <laughs> I need to adapt this mentality because yeah. it's just like, it's so crazy. And it's like, it's just baffling to me because it's, I'm in the boat of, I wasn't a creator before this podcast, but even now being in this realm All I want to do is lift others up with me. Like if I can podcast swap with someone or mentor someone or whatever, or just be friends with someone, like let's share what we got paid for a brand deal. Let's be more transparent. It's only going to help all of us. So a hundred percent. I just don't get the the mean girl mentality. I don't get it either. I really don't get it. And I've spent my whole life honestly trying to understand it. It's not that you've never felt that way because they have. They probably feel that way more than we do. But there's a block. There's like a inability to accept that they've felt that way. So they just do it to other people to make it hurt less when other people do it to them. That's one thing I've struggled with. It's like, do you not view me as the, on the same level as you? Oh, no. okay. Whoa. Okay. Should we really get go here? Because that's, re- I feel like honestly, sometimes when you ask someone if you can interview them or like if they can come on your show, mm-hmm. some toxic people 
we'll take that as a like we'll put you in a subservient role because of that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they put themselves on a pedestal and look at you like, oh, you're in- you're so interested in me. You're interviewing me. It's a tire pump. Yes. You're pu- you're pumping up their tires by even asking them to come on when it's like, no, like I just love your vibe and it's a great way to get to know. Like I'm not you. a fan. No, but you're like, but I am. Yes. I know, and that's where it came. It's starting to come for me where it's like, don't meet your heroes. Like totally. They all they always say like, there's especially on Reddit. There's like a share an experience where you met one of your favorite celebrities and it was like soul crushing for you. Of course. And everyone in there is just like, I was obsessed with so-and-so and and I met them or I even, I had a listener write in kind of a thing where I was doing a high profile episode and I go, tell me about your celebrity experiences. And they were like, I worked as an extra on this set and you'd never guess because she's supposed to be the down to earth funny girl in all of these movies perfect bridesmaids all that and they go we were not even allowed to look at her she would start yelling if people on set looked at her wow and it's like what no it's wild it's just it's wild because i do also like take into account you know when people are like oh my god and i went i was on set with her one day and she was such an asshole i'm like okay sometimes people are going through like divorces which is never an excuse to be an asshole like there's obviously a difference but people's egos are so fragile so i'm always like you got to give people sometimes the benefit of the doubt. Like, yeah. if you thought Katy Perry was a bitch when she, I mean, this is so random, when she's going through her Orlando Bloom divorce or whatever, like that, that we watched her oh, documentary and Ru- saw, like, yeah, she's... Yeah, Russell Brand. Oh, Russell yeah. Brand. Yes. Not yeah. Really, yes. So, like, okay, she's going to be, like, a bitch that day. You know, some people just want them to be Fair. the celebrity yeah. so badly, but I feel like I'm not coming from that place. I'm really coming mm. from a place of just, we're on the same level here, right? Like, let's just have a conversation and no one needs to put any either person on a pedestal. You know, but that's hard. People don't like that. I know. Well, we'll grab drinks sometime. Oh, hell yeah. No, now that I know you're in L.A. Yeah, we'll get you over here on this pod, too. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I would love it. So tell me about your boyfriend. Justin. Justin is in music. Okay. He's signed with Disney Publishing. He's so, so talented. He's done their holiday campaign for the past two years in a row and has the third one he's working on now. So amazing. So where'd you meet him? I met him on Hinge. How modern. I know. So we've now been dating for... That's a badge of honor to actually succeed at online dating. I never expected it either. Like we met on Hinge almost four years ago now. So we've been dating officially for three and a half. But he's also from Minnesota. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So he played it off so perfectly because... I was kind of one of those people that would go on Hinge when I was bored, but, like, I wasn't really looking for anything. Right. And, which is honestly probably the best way to do it. No expectations. 100%. And so he pulled the Minnesota card. He was like, I think I replied once and then didn't anymore. And he was like, hey, sorry for bothering you again. I just saw that you're from Minnesota. I'm from Minnesota. Thought it would be nice to connect, make new friends. And that, like, I was like, oh, I got guilt tripped a little. Right, of I was course. Like, okay. I was like, okay, sure. Yeah. And so um, we've made plans for a date out here in Los Angeles, but I had a bachelorette party. We went to One Oak, and I think I tried every alcohol on the planet. As you should. And I was hungover for three days. How old were you when you did this recently? Uh, Past 25, you can't hang. Yeah, yeah, I was like 25. But I canceled on him. I was like, I'm sorry, like I'm hungover, and I'm flying to Minnesota in a couple days, so we're going to have to reschedule for a couple weeks. And he was like, wait, I'm going back to Minnesota too. I'm going to the state fair. I'm going to be home for my birthday. Let's just meet up there. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. So had you you had already started your occupational therapy and all of that. 
So how does that play into your relationship? But you're a sex expert too, right? I'm going through the process. So when I was working throughout my my capstone, I wanted to address sexuality. Like sexuality in chronic illnesses or disabilities is like not talked about. And so when I was first doing one of my internships, I started focusing on sexuality for stroke survivors. And I put together a program for them and an information packet and then gave a presentation at a uh, survivor support group. And so that went really well. I had people come up to me and they're like, I had my stroke seven years ago and you are the first person to ever talk about my sex life or sexuality or the changes. And I'm like, that is actually pathetic. Right. And it's so, it's so important. It's so important. I mean, intimacy, you know, whether you're having sex or not, but intimacy and ways we connect with our partners is it's a big part of who we are as well. So that was crazy to me. So then I, when I did my doctoral thesis, I broadened it a little bit, but I did psychosocial needs. So addressing mental health, sexuality, just kind of the umbrella in acute care. So I dealt with cancer patients a lot. I was um, on a neuro floor. So I had a lot of oncology patients and it was so, so pathetic that I was the only one addressing their psychosocial needs. And there's crazy, crazy statistics out there for people that are going through cancer. And like, I don't have the exact stat, but it was like 70% of them never received OT or mental health services. Wow. It's like, you're going through cancer, the biggest life change ever, and no one's talking to you about this. Wow. I mean, there's just such a imbalance of medical world with like mental. It's just, it's really intense. Yeah. And we all suffer because of it. I, we do. It just bleeds into everything. So mm-hmm. now I'm on the path of I'm going to work towards pelvic floor certification as well as like an intimacy coach. Wow. Now that I have a little more free time. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's I went to a sex class like two years ago and I was like, why am I doing this? Like I've been having sex for years. Like this is weird. But I went I don't because my friend told me it was wonderful. And it was you don't realize like how little women or anyone is talked to about this stuff. Like you really don't realize even just how little we know ourselves. They were like, okay, what turns you on? That was like the first question. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, I fucking don't know. You know, even little things like spontaneous orgasm versus like, and like how it's harder for women to achieve that sometimes or little, just like knowing yourself intimately like that is so liberating and especially if you're in going through chemo or just had a stroke or something that can be it can feel like you've lost your autonomy or it can feel like you've lost the keys to your life and that can give you such empowerment to have that knowledge is so important it is and i think you know kind of what with you going off of like what turns you on like can i even have an orgasm i have friends that are 28 29 years old and still haven't had orgasms oh of course and that's not unusual. I I would say a lot of my friends. Yeah. And so it's like. They'd never admit it, but. That too. And it's like, admit it, just work on it. Because if you're addressing it, like, yay. But it's like, it's crazy. I think even our, all of our sex education is really geared towards men and like male satisfaction. And so it is interesting to like really dive in from a different perspective. And like, people don't even know where the clit exists. Like, no. cool men on a street and give them a diagram of the female anatomy and ask them where the clit is 
They have no idea. Honestly, even asking them where the penis goes would be risky. You know what I mean? If they yeah. had to look at it like anatomically, oh, I don't there know are some know. people that expect you to do everything. Put it in, put the condom on, yes. do this, do that. Yes. So honest to God, this ex-boyfriend of mine did not know that when you put a condom on, you have to pinch the tip. Like the shit that we learned back in seventh grade, he did not know how to put a condom on properly. I know. It's baffling. I was like, oh my God, where do we even begin? I was like, thank God I taught a a health or a sex ed class when I was like a senior in high school that I should not have been teaching. I want, that's like, that's like a hidden goal of mine. I want to like teach sex ed. You should. You should. Have you ever heard of Loom? I haven't. Oh my God. Okay. I'm going to send it to you because that's where I got, that's where I I took the sex class. And they also have like periods 101. They have like all this incredible stuff. It's an amazing company. So I'll send it to you. Okay. Amazing. But just tell me one last thing. When you read all these people's, because we're both mentally ill and have those beautiful tendencies, when you read people's, am I the asshole? Does it make you feel better about yourself and your own demons and past and life when you hear those? I do. And I think that's honestly a big part of why people love the podcast so much. Yes. It honestly opens the door to like, and comparison is the thief of joy, as Roosevelt, I think, said. Mm-hmm. Did he also say the man in the arena? Because then he was chock full of good quotes. He was, he was on to something. Yeah. But it does like put things into perspective. And we, like the grass is always greener on the other side. And especially with social media, like everyone lives this fake life. I think that's why like I don't post that much on my personal because I'm like, I'm not do I'm just like day to day. I'm like, let me post another office selfie. This whole Instagram bullshit, especially like when you have an authenticity problem, meaning like you have to be, I know it sounds like I'm patting myself on the back, but it actually is a problem sometimes. Like you just have to be like, I I can't lie that much, you know? So like if I'm having a bad day, like it's really hard for me to post a good, like a selfie on that day and just like suck it up. You know what I mean? It's, it's so hard. And even like, I'll never really be an influencer because right. like posting the outfit pics, I'm like, I feel gross in 80% of what I try on. So a hundred percent. I feel gross 80% of the day. By the way, that, that hat that I got mad at my friend for, <laughs> I never posted. I never even had a plan. I knew I would never uh, post it. It's put that just, shit on Poshmark. <laughs> it needs out because it's triggering for me. Every time I look at it, I'm like, do I bring it with me? No, never. I can never take it out of the house again. It's a friendship yeah. ender hat. Yeah. But so. that's it for us. So thank you so much for doing this with me. This was so thank fun. You. This was great. I love this. Morgan is a dream. I loved every second of talking to her and learning from her. And I just appreciate you guys sticking around and until the end of this episode and hearing me say goodbye to you. So that's it from me this week. I'll see you guys back here next week. And I love you. Thanks for listening always. And I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.